Hi, and welcome to the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. We've provided a collection of sermons, our midweek lessons, music, and many more tools to help you grow in your walk with God. We are living in an unprecedented and challenging time, but we invite you to listen in and be encouraged as we fight through this together. Be sure to subscribe and feel free to share this podcast with your friends and loved ones. Thanks for listening. Good morning, family. Hello, everyone. My name is Melissa, and I have been saved for a year and 10 months. When I reflect on my life, I can truly see the power of God. Rewind my life a few years back, and I would never in a million years have guessed God would be my new best friend. I have never felt welcomed, loved, and a sense of belonging ever until I met God. I haven't had an easy life or made great choices. I always thought I had everything under control. Trying to be private and have a perfect outer shell for family, friends, and the world. I focused on fixing everyone's problems to not face my own. I judged the ones I loved because I hated my actions and my frame of thinking. I constantly compared my life with everyone else's. My sinful ways and lifestyles led God to really show me the rod of correction like stated in Psalms 23, 4. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This was my go-to quote when my world was rocked. Following the power of God led me to lose what I call family. I went from a home of four, a father, a mother, and two wonderful, amazing, inspiring children to a single mother. I know you all can relate when God says we are cleaning house, how your favorite scriptures are truly needed. After obstacles and obstacles, I finally realized that God never promised no trouble or pain, but he promised to never leave me alone. I decided to take my leap of faith and got baptized. I started to see my life change. He provided a really good support system that God sent in my direction, another example of God's power in my life. I slowly started to be alive because there is a big difference between living and being alive. I was being molded into the woman that God always saw in me. Although I carry my cross daily and my convictions grow stronger every day, I still sin and need God's guidance through it all. When I gave control back to God, he allowed me to use my gifts and mend relationships that mean the world to me. I understand the true meaning of love and forgiveness. The pain that I felt hurting others and my, and my father was indescribable. Thanks to Psalms 118, 13:4. I was pushed back and about to fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He helped me understand how strong my relationship with God is and how much I mean to him. With all this strength and love and forgiveness, who can challenge the power of God?
I misunderstood my assignment and pre prepared something that was way above my pay grade. Uh, so, so I'm, uh, I'm just going to read from the passage I had prepared. Um, it's a familiar passage, Matthew 11, 25. At the time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been handed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Amen. Aren't we glad that when life gets too much to bury, to carry, that we have a God who can shoulder that for us? Father God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for bringing us all here, Father. Thank you so much um, for being our ultimate comforter, Father. The holidays are a wonderful time of year. I know it's been like hell. And um, there's a lot of grieving. Um, there is a virus that is just not going away, Father. Thank you for offering comfort. Thank you for offering to, to be our yoke, Father. Um, what an honor, what a privilege to share that with you. Um, Father God, I pray, um, pray this is a time for us to cling closer to you, to run to you, Father. Um, it's really easy when times get hard to run inward and to run towards ourselves and to isolate, Father. And I pray that we just run towards you, run towards your fellowship. Father God, um, I pray for if this next person who's going to come up, who's incredible, and I can't wait to hear their story, and I love them so dearly, um, and they've been such a comfort for me as I try this one, Father, and um, I pray that as we listen to them speak, that we'll all get to share in that comfort, Father, um, that you provide us and that we can provide one another in sharing our stories. I love you, and I pray all this in your son's name. Amen. disciple for almost four years now, um, but I truly feel like I've been a part of this family for my whole entire life, so I'm so grateful to all of you for, for that. God, um, thank you. Um, Florence and Jeff asked me to share about what I'm grateful for, what God has done in my life, and um, of course a million things popped in my head, but I want to share a couple with you that mean so much to me. So first of all, I am so grateful for the overwhelming power of God's word and how it changed my life and changed me. God has humbled me through his word. He has broken me. He has grown me. He continues to mold me. He holds me. He lets me know I am enough and that he is enough. And he shows me this through so many ways. It could be a sermon that I'm listening to and I truly feel God is speaking directly to me. Um, it could be a song I hear on the radio and the love of God comes through so strongly that I break down in tears. Um, in my darkest moments, he'll bring me to a scripture and it gives me the strength to get up and go. Um, in his creation, when I wake up and I am early enough to see the sunrise. Um, and of course, talking and praying with other disciples who show me encouragement through their love. Um, I'm especially grateful 
that God's word has taught me that the sorrows in this world are only temporary. And the hope for eternal life is in him. Um, I'm also grateful for God's impeccable timing, um, giving me the assurance that I know without a doubt my husband Rick is at home in heaven with him today and basking in the glory of God. Rick had been studying the Bible on and off for years, and for whatever reason, he never thought he was worthy enough to be baptized. But over the past couple years, Rick started studying, and God changed his heart. Um, in the dead of winter this past January, in Long Island Sound, Rick decided to put Jesus first and was baptized. And thank you to Jeff and Mark, who was by his side, <laughs> his side with that. Um, Rick decided this only three months before his death. None of us realized the importance of the timing of Rick's decision, but God knew. And in knowing this, and in knowing this, God has assured me that Rick is in the arms of my loving father and his loving father. Um, it helps me to push past the tears, to push past the regret of unspoken words, and enables me to deal with the emptiness that I feel inside with his loss. Believing that this world is temporary and that God has a better place for me and everyone is what I'm most grateful for today. And even though I may not understand it now, God's plans are always good. Um, and with God's timing again, there was a song that came out on the radio right after Rick passed. And it just encompasses how I feel. And it, it, it just, I'm going to share it with you. I won't sing it because I'll ruin it for you. But um, <laughs> it's called No More Scars in Heaven. And it goes like this. The only scars in heaven, they won't belong to me and you. There'll be no such thing as broken and all the old will be made new. And the thought that makes me smile now, even as the tears fall down, is that the only scars in heaven are on the hands that hold you now. Alleluia for the hands that hold Rick now. Peter 1 verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice. Though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, 
which is more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Father in heaven, good morning. We come before you to uh, worship you and honor you, Lord, because you are worthy of worship and honor. We thank you so much for giving us reasons to rejoice in such a dark world and challenging times that you've given us salvation, not based on our actions or our deeds, but on you and your perfect life that you give. Thank you for uh, giving us this invitation to come into your household, not just as servants or hired hands, but as your sons and daughters and heirs to this future glory that's coming. We worship you, we honor you, and we thank you for your salvation. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hi, good morning everyone, and welcome to Southern Connecticut Church of Christ. My name is Solis, and I'm glad to be sharing my story with you today. When I think about my conversion story, I think about how God made everything work to lead me here today. I'm originally from Kenya, and I moved here four years ago. That wasn't something I'd planned to do. I had just gotten a job at a bank, and I was excited for the opportunity to grow in the banking field. But less than six months after I started, the bank was closed. I started looking for another job, but at the time, two more banks were closed, and there was massive layoffs in the banking sector. Not hearing back from the job, job applications was very discouraging. I didn't know what the future held. It was during this time that my aunt, who lives in Pennsylvania, revisited a conversation we'd had a couple of years earlier about coming to the United States. I wasn't too keen on moving here, as I was just getting started career-wise, and I just wanted to get established. But I thought, why not? I knew moving would be challenging, but I had no idea exactly how hard it would be. Living with my aunt the first few months in Pennsylvania made it very clear how much healing I needed. Being, being in that environment brought up so much pain that I didn't know how to deal with. It was during those long nights of crying that I knew I didn't want to live like this. I didn't want to carry this pain anymore, but I didn't know how to stop. I decided to move to New York to live with my uncle to try to figure things out. I got a job as a home aide, and that's what I focused on. I did what I, did. I could to numb the pain. I drank a lot. I was impure, but the more I did this, the more I realized this wasn't the life I wanted. It felt meaningless, it felt empty. It was during this soul searching time that I got assigned to a case that would start my journey of knowing God. I was going to be taking care of Florence's dad as a living aid. We started talking and sharing and I got to share my story with her and she shared her faith with me and invited me to church. I was, as, I was amazed at how loving, caring and nurturing she was. Speaking with her, I saw something different. I was raised in church, but I never felt connected with God. I grew up seeing a lot of hypocrisy in the people of God that I didn't trust when somebody said they loved God. But this felt different. I studied the Bible with incredible women who made me feel safe enough to share my story. It was hard for me to understand and trust God as my father, as I didn't have a good relationship with my earthly adoptive father. Psalms 139, chapter 13 would say, for you created my inmost being you knit me together in my mother's womb was one of the scriptures that made me see myself differently. See, I lost my mother, my grandmother, 
my two sisters, and was sexually assaulted all before I was 12 years old. All this time, I felt like I was a mistake that God somehow forgot to erase. I didn't feel wanted. I didn't feel like I belonged. But God had a purpose for my life. As I cried with my sisters, I felt home. I felt safe. I was baptized on October 10, 2020, and the greatest feeling was a sigh of relief. Oh, yeah. I didn't have to carry my pain anymore. When I look back at my story, I'm amazed at how God works to bring his children close. His love for us is boundless and his timing is perfect. I have a desire to build even a closer relationship with God and I'm so grateful for the family here at Sokon. I hope my story inspires someone to know that God doesn't want them to carry the burden and pain alone anymore. I hold on to Jeremiah 29:11 and just wanted to Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah, thanks for letting me share. Thank you. Amen. Well, what a fantastic day it's been so far. You know, it's it's always so encouraging to hear real life stories. We all have real life stories, right? Everybody in this room has a real life story, and. You know, sometimes when you come to church, you hear a sermon, you know, most times you hear a sermon, right? And, you know, it's a great study, biblical study, or you're digging into an exegesis of a scripture maybe you're not familiar with, or some new insight that you've not had before, and, you know, and that's encouraging. I mean, we are people of the Word, we're people of the Bible, so we, we certainly love digging deep into the Word. I love deep, digging deep into the Word. But it's really great when we just pause for a moment to say, you know what? How is, like, the average person being impacted by, by the gospel? How is the average person being impacted by, you know, by the grace of God, by the, by the love of Jesus, you know, by the power of the word? And so it's really encouraging to be able to hear. And I appreciate so much, you know, Melissa and um, uh, Solace and um, Karen sharing their stories today, you know. And it really could have been any one of us. Everybody has a story to share. And, you know, the, the service today is... We're, we're titling it his, his Story, My Story. You've got your story. And whether you're standing up here or not, I really want to encourage you to share your story. Your, your story is the most effective evangelistic tool you have. And sometimes we forget, you know, we think, well, you know, I'm not equipped to study the Bible with somebody. I don't know how to go through the studies. You know, I need to get somebody else to do then that. And th that might be true. Maybe you don't feel comfortable going through the studies. You can learn them, and everybody can can become comfortable with them, but the thing that really pulls people in is, is your story and how your story and his story work together. And so I really want to encourage you to, to really keep that in mind. Just think about what God has given you and how you can, you can share that story. So I think that would be very powerful. So what we're about to do right now is share a communion time together. And this is historically when we reflect on the death the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. And we, we talk about how the cross has impacted our lives. And we, we, we take a look at the, the power of the blood of Christ and, and how that molds us and how that changes us. But what does it really mean when we say we're going to take a look at the death and the burial or re, and the resurrection? We talk about the cross in some form or fashion pretty much every Sunday. Either it's woven into the message or it's a standalone message for communion. I think for the most part, because we use the word so much in this church, I think for the most part, we are very familiar with the death, the burial, 
from the resurrection. There's probably not a person here that if you were to ask them, can you explain to me just very briefly what the death of Jesus was? They, they, could, they could do it. They could explain Jesus you know, died for our sins, and they could probably even show you several verses about the death. They could also talk about the, the burial. Many people in this church could say, look, let's, let's turn here. Jesus was in the tomb for three days. He came out. I mean, we could all go through that. And we could probably also pretty well explain the resurrection, you know, what, what it was like when, when Jesus rose again, who he appeared to, what his message was. And we, we do that so much. But what I want to do right now, Florence and I, is talk a little bit about what happened after the resurrection. And what happened after the resurrection was the fulfillment of a promise. And it was a promise that was made to us that we would never be alone. You know, when Jesus walked the face of the earth, one of the greatest fears that his disciples had was that he was going to be leaving them. And they were often paralyzed with that fear. What are we going to do? We won't know what to do, Jesus, when you're not here with us anymore. And Jesus made promises that you're not going to be on your own, that, that I, I, will, I will be with you, that you won't have to worry about that. And in one particular scripture, he shares a little bit more about this promise of not being left alone. And in John 14, verse 1, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the, the way to the place where I am going. Florence wants to share a few really, really interesting and, and insightful thoughts on this. Um, <clears throat> I've been studying this scripture, and um, I've been doing a study myself just on Jesus, and trying to, you know, find, you know, just more hidden treasures about my Lord so that I can continue to follow him um, for the rest of my life. Um, and this scripture says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Uh, there's another version I use, and it says, do not let your hearts be afraid or cowardly. And, and Jesus says, you know, but trust me, trust God, trust my promises. But we all know that that's easier said than done. That sounds great, but when, you know, when the rubber meets the road, that's, that's a difficult thing. So communion for me is a time for my troubled heart to go to God to stop, you know, to listen to the song usually that's sung before it or what someone says before it. It's a time for me to bring my troubled heart and surrender those troubles and decide to trust God, to trust God's love for me, his concern for me, his desire for me, his dedication to me, to trust his promises and to trust that he really is preparing a place for me. You know, we can know that's a truth, but really trusting that 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 he's really doing that right now. Uh, you know, in the scripture that Jeff just read, you know, Jesus goes from speaking about trust, and then he starts talking about building a place, a house. And um, I've come to a greater understanding, and I just felt like I really wanted to share with you guys what I've learned. You know, there were cultural norms at that time that the people hearing this would have really understood Jesus' language and what he was trying to communicate. But our Western ears don't always pick up on those things because our culture's uh, norms are different now. 
You know, they would have heard when he talked about the father building a house, they definitely would have heard an overtone of engagement and marriage. And you think, how do those two connect? Um, you know, we've been blessed with many marriages in this church and so many engagements and hopefully more to come. Um, but they're all very different. And there's, cult you know, there's different cultural norms. And we even have a church culture that sometimes we work with. But back, back then, there was a specific way you got engaged and married. And I just want to share it with you because it really is behind what Jesus is sharing here in John 14. Um, and you'll, you'll laugh a bit with this, but basically the parents initiated the process of looking for a suitable wife for their son when he turned 17. So 17-year-olds, that's what would have happened. So the father would make the arrangement to meet with whoever was found to be that suitable uh, bride and family. They would gather to negotiate, and they would come up with what they called a bride price out of respect, not that they were trying to buy the bride, but out of respect to the family because they were going to lose her, how much would it cost? They would come to an agreement, and they would sit down and actually have a meal together, and they would sign the agreement with a cup of wine that they would drink. The father and the son would then go home, and they would start building immediately. They would start building a home for the future couple, not on another piece of property, but right on the back of the father's house. The son would wait until the father said, it's time, you've done enough, the house is ready. Meanwhile, the bride would just wait and wait and wait. Once the father said it was time, the bridegroom would run through the streets with his friends and his family, and it was very exciting. People would be, you know, screaming and yelling in excitement. Everybody would be watching and waiting because they didn't know which door he was going to knock on. And all the brides would be waiting because they didn't know, is it my bridegroom? And they would wait patiently. He would knock on the door and he would take his wife back to his father's house that the son had prepared. And this really gave me a new insight to this understanding from this scripture. Jesus negotiated my bride price with the father. He sat with the father and they discussed what they would pay for me. And his price was the blood and his life and his body being sacrificed on the cross. And in the same way, one day, when it's the right time, he will run down the streets and he will gather everybody and he will knock on my door and he will say, I have prepared a place for you. It is now your time. Meanwhile, as the bride, I need to trust. I need to wait I need to trust with my troubled heart and know that if I save myself as that bride, as that virgin, if I save myself and I wait and I trust in his love and his plan and his timing like Karen talked about, that one day I myself will hear that knock and I will know that he has really prepared a place for me. This is what helps set my mind when I take my communion. That understanding really brings this scripture in Revelation 21 to life. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, 
God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. It was the resurrection of Jesus that was the fulfillment of the promise. We haven't yet received that promise, although we know many people that have. I appreciated so much Karen's sharing. Rick received that promise. We're all patiently waiting to receive that promise, but we would have no chance of that promise being fulfilled. In fact, the promise would never have even been made if it weren't for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As we take our communion now, I really want you to think about that. We're, we're here, we're alive right now, we're enjoying life, but there's a promise of something far greater. And as we take the communion, remember that that promise is waiting for you. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much, and we thank you so much for the, the promise that was made that you are preparing a place for us, that we can live our lives now, we can joyfully live our lives now as Christians, but even though we have to endure some challenges, we know that that day will come, that because of that, that death, that burial, and that resurrection, that we will enjoy eternity with you. So Father, as we take the bread, as we take the cup, please help us to be mindful of that and appreciative of that promise. We love you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been an episode of the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. Please subscribe so you can keep up to date with the latest podcast.